podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 71 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, where we're back with a, a solid back four, like Everton had against Chelsea yesterday. Uh, and we're joined uh, by, by a friend of the show. You might know him on Twitter. Obstructive view, and that's Mike, Mike Grundy. Mike, how are you, mate? I'm great, lads. Thanks for having me back on. No problem at all, mate. It's great to have you on. Obviously, we're going to come on to the fact that you're at the, at the game against Chelsea yesterday, the first time we've had fans back in Goodison Park for for nine months. So we're going to come on to that shortly. Um, just a reminder that we are brought to you in association with Fan Hub, where the fans come first, and the app is due to be launched in the new year. So keep your keep your eye out for that. Uh, that's going to be quite a an interesting thing and uh, really good to get involved with. But it's, you know, th- there's only one place to start this week, isn't there? Um, and that is the fact that we played Chelsea, we got a win, and more importantly, some might say, we kept a clean sheet. But Mike, I'm going to come to you first. You were there. What was it like? How, how did those 2,000 fans impact the results against Chelsea? Oh, mate, it was absolutely fantastic, honest to God. It felt like the longest day of my life yesterday leading up to that game. I was in work, it was, the clock was going nowhere. Um, it was just amazing to be back in the ground, seeing you know, familiar faces and getting back to some some kind of normality. Um, obviously, it's never going to be normal, is it, until we're all back there together. You know, the people make the place, don't they, ultimately? But being back there, it, it was just it was absolutely fantastic. And you can only imagine what that ground would have been like last night. You know, with 40,000 Blues in there, the place would have been absolutely bouncing. But uh, you can see the fans had an impact, can't you? Every single one of them players, to be fair to them, they, they were all bang up for the game. And every single one of them 2,000 fans, we were all bang up for it as well. It was it was, it was was almost a perfect night um, in terms of what it was with the smaller capacity crowd. Um, I totally enjoyed it. I, was, I, was, I felt honoured to be there. It was brilliant. And I think everyone's going to love it when, when, when they all get the chance, you know, over time to get back there. Yeah, because it was a little bit of a, I saw a little bit of a needle, if you like, over the course of the week, where people were obviously being given tickets for the game in the top balcony. Some were behind, were behind post or obviously clusters obstructive views. Um, and and I think I put a tweet out on. I think it was either Thursday or Friday to sort of say, listen, let's let's just sort of take on board the position the club are in and try and get two thousand fans in safely. We can't use, I think, seven of the nine parts of the ground for, for various reasons, whether it's a red zone. Um, obviously the the um the, the TV pundits were on in the in the paddock on a on a raised level, so you can't go down there. There's there's various reasons why. So the club was stuck in what they could do. And they've done the best that they can. Um and as much as obviously okay, not ideal being in the top balcony. Um we we've got to, I think, commend the club for for doing things the way they have. Doing the ballot correctly, and obviously you were there, and they, they've they've made the fans, whether in the top balcony, Gladys, or have you, have a real big impact on the on the team on the day. 
It was ran fantastically, mate. I couldn't fault it. You know, any of the organisation, it all went really smoothly. And listen, I made a joke earlier on in the week about being in the top belt. You know, I wouldn't have been bothered if I was up there. Obviously, I'd much rather be in the Gladys Street where I was, lucky enough. But listen, the club's hands are tied, aren't they? You know, the, the club have got nothing to gain by sticking people in the top belt rather than putting them in the Bullens or the Paddock. It's just, it is what it is, isn't it? And as you say, we're, you know, we were really fortunate to be there last night. And until we can get back to, you know, a full capacity, it's just the way it's going to have to be, isn't it? The, the club's hands are tied. That's it, mate. That's it. And I'm, I'm glad to, to hear from obviously yourself who was there that it didn't run. It did run smoothly. It sounded great on the telly at times, you know, when, when the crowd were up and obviously singing. And he, there was even a point where um, I can't remember who it was now. It might have been Richardson. And there was, a, there was a cry from the crowd because he, he was tackled. The crowd went up and John Moss gave a free kick. And I thought, if the crowd weren't there, he's not getting that. And that for me, is, is a massive thing, whether it's that kind of thing, you know, pushing the players on, willing them to work that, you know, five or 10% harder. I think that was really evident, wasn't it, yesterday, Pete, where you could see a lot of players who probably thrived on having just a handful of fans there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think having the fans there probably got a response out of everybody on the pitch. But you think particularly the defence you know, to keep up that level of concentration against the Chelsea team that playing really fast, aggressive football, um, you know, they've been knocking goals past everybody, I think. Um, they were on for a record number of away wins, weren't they, before they came to our place. So you think the fans had to play a role with that, with keeping the players, getting minds on the jobs. Everybody with a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 um, for the whole game. And I think you're totally right, Peter. I think it'd be it'd be hard to sit here and, and criticise anyone on the day. Um, we 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 said didn't we last week about how we were going to settle, and you reminded me yesterday, Pete, that you were the first to call the uh, the specific four at the back and the actual personnel as well. Um, Fair of evidence, Carlo Ancelotti listens to the podcast. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> We've had a couple of these, haven't we, over the last few weeks? That he thinking that Carlo listens in. I'm sure that he does. Uh, um, that's for sure but the personnel was maybe surprising to some Lee but we had we had the, the four centre-halves if you like at the back with Ben Godfrey playing left back two centre-halves and Michael Keane Yerry Mina and Mason Hollett as the, as the fourth defender play, playing at right back and, and all four of them were absolutely superb on the day weren't they? All four were absolutely outstanding mate to be honest Um I was a little bit worried, um, you know, obviously when you're playing four centre-halves, you know, literally across the back, you're worried about, you know, where's our width going to come from? Are we going to be able to get in down the sides? Which, you know, obviously in any formation nowadays, full-backs are so important, aren't they, in terms of getting up the pitch, putting in crosses. Calvert-Lewin thrives off crosses. I was a bit worried he was going to get isolated and we were going to get penned in a little bit. But to be fair, we did carry a threat. We did carry a threat, definitely. I thought Wobi did well down the right-hand side again. I thought Wobi, considering he's had to play in several positions recently, He's starting to show some real form at the minute as well. And Jeff for him, you know, he's, he's had a he's had a tough time of it recently, particularly from the fans. So Jeff for him. But yeah, going back to the defence, I thought Keane and Mina were outstanding. Mina loved that little tussle with Giroud. That's the type of forward he loves to play against. Keane's positioning was outstanding on crosses and things like that. Um, and obviously, you know, Ben Godfrey. I mean, this lad's going to be a player, isn't he? You can see it already. I mean, he's not even playing in his favoured position. Did very well against Burnley playing left back last week um, and then again today um, I mean the lad is absolutely rapid absolutely rapid I mean there was a bit where Werner went over to that side after getting no change from Holgate and literally trying to knock it past him and run and he's just absolutely burned him hasn't he um, 
and that's you know that he, he is going to be some player. This kid, um, you know, obviously Carlo has will probably want to get him to centre half eventually. But um, you know, what a versatile sign he's proved to be. Um, but yeah, Holgate again, he's played right back before, hasn't he? Uh, obviously, when he went on loan, so he was used to that. I thought Holgate again shut them down. But the way we were set up, what I was pleased about most was that we were kind of you know we shut the spaces down centrally, forced them out wide, and then any crosses they did get in, we dealt with them. So, you know, fair deeds to Carlo. He got his tactics absolutely spot on there because if we'd have done a straw poll between all of us here, how many of us would have said we'd have kept the clean sheet the way we've played this season? And none of us would have said that we'd have kept the clean sheet against, like I said last week on the podcast, probably arguably the best attacking team in the league at the minute. Um, I know they missed Sajic and they missed Pulisic. Uh, I was glad Pulisic wasn't playing, actually, because obviously he's a very good player for them. But yeah, it was a great game. Great game to watch. Um, we surrendered possession, but like I said, we carried a real threat going forward. And it's, it's something I think look, looking forward when we're playing that kind of team. We now know we, we've we obviously not stumbled upon upon a setup, but we now know that if we need to, we can have that kind of back four. Because I thought the protection in front of the of the back four was better. I thought the Corey was a little, that little bit deeper, and that's probably as, as well as I've seen him play um, in that role. I thought, I mean, Mike, you, you'll know, we, we thought Alan would really thrive and did thrive on having people there to sort of will him on. He's that kind of player who, who I think will really do well when he's got a full house. You know, we throw a tackle in and he'd be right up, right up for the game. Uh, but I thought, I don't know what your thoughts are, Mike, but I thought Alan was, was absolutely superb yesterday. He was. He was fantastic. He's he's hundred percent merchant, isn't he? As you say, he, he gives absolutely everything. Like, and he, he was buzzing last night. You could see it. He was all over the place. Just going back to the back four lads, because I'll echo Pete's sentiments. I've been crying out for this. I think I tweeted you guys last week saying about the back four. It was almost just about getting back to basics, make ourselves difficult to to break down, and and taking it from there. Basically, I, I hated this idea of overcomplicating things. Where you know, flying wing-backs when... It's all very well playing these wing-backs when you've got them to play. But if you haven't and you're starting to put central midfielders there in positions they're not natural with, I didn't understand overcomplicating it when we were we were in a bit of a bad run, weren't we? So I was made up with that back four. It was the back four I had to pick myself. Um, albeit, you know, we could say two centre-halves playing right-back and left-back, but Holgate's played there before. I believe Godfrey's played there before for, for Norwich. I don't know. I've not seen him play there. But I thought they were brilliant. Every one of them in the, in the whole team. But the back four was absolutely outstanding. And uh, I certainly wouldn't be, be in a rush to change that back four. Um, obviously, the 28% possession is not ideal, is it? It's not something we want to be seeing at Goodison Park too much. But you've got to adapt to your opposition, haven't you? And, you know, as Lee said, you, you can't underestimate how much of an attacking force Chelsea really are. You know, they're, they're fantastic going forward. But we nullified them. I thought we completely nullified them yesterday. You know, I think it said on Match of the Day last night, their last shot on target was something like the 28th minute. I mean, that, that's brilliant. Isn't it? I, know, I honestly didn't feel like they were going to score last night. And I've been a season ticket holder for over 20 years, and there's not many times I've ever felt like that at a game. I felt like I just felt like we had them nullified. So, um, mm. yeah, I was made up, made up defensively. Yeah, and, and, and part of that defence, and I think it's, again, important to highlight, was, was Jordan Pickford. And, you know, if we look at what he did during the game, so about shots on target, he, he saved one from a free kick early on. And there was a save he made from uh, from Reece James where it came out from a corner, and he's absolutely caught. He's caught it absolutely crisply. And if you watch it, it takes a nick off an Everton player to come back on target, and it clips the, the thumb of Jordan Pifford, and it, it's the post, and then comes out. And for me, 
that's an exceptional save. And at the time, it wasn't highlighted at all by the uh, by the commentators. Um, and still seeing sort of two or three replays. But I thought Jordan Pickford on the day was very, very good. People are highlighting the one where he came out and and uh, and punched the ball clear, and then Mason Mount hooked it back in and, and nearly scored. For me, I want Pickford to, to be doing that because it, you know I thought he, the connection was quite good. I thought he caught it quite well. Probably unlucky with it with it with drop two, but I think Mina probably would have had a cover on the line anyway. To be fair, but I thought on the day Jordan Pickford, and the, the last couple of weeks to be fair seems to have settled down and and, and looks looks a lot more. A lot, a lot more assured. That's for sure. But I think we need to talk about the goal, don't we? Because that, that comes from Jordan Pickford, a long ball. We, we said we might have to go long and be a bit more direct. To at the moment, it's probably the best centre forward in the league to to do what he does, and that's Dominic Calvert Lewin. Win wins a flick on, and no one else would win the flick on, chase it, and then force the keeper to to make that kind of mistake. People do. No, definitely. Definitely, and it was really intelligent, wasn't it, as well? He knows if he can get a foot to it, if he can get himself between the keeper and the ball, it's game over. He's won a penalty. Because once the once the goalkeeper comes, he's, he's you know, he, he's got to follow through, hasn't he? He's, the keeper's got to go all the way. And I, I said to you both in the group last night, if that's Jordan Pickford making that tackle, we'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> oh, it'd be front, it'd be front and back page news, wouldn't it? That's Jordan Pickford. Mendy got about 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, still... he's a great goalkeeper. It was an it was an error of judgment. But if that's Pickford, it's a completely different story covered in a completely different way. So I think you're absolutely right to highlight him in that game because he's got enough media attention, hasn't he? When you know he's been a little bit off or he's made a couple of high profile mistakes, and maybe rightly so. But yeah, I think he's been great the past two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. I think any goalkeeper can make that kind of error of judgment. Calvert Lewin was was very quick. You know, as I say, flipped the ball on. Got there just before the goalkeeper knocked it away, and it happens, doesn't it? You know, go, go if you if you watch Mendy yesterday, and and you'll know, Mike. Obviously, would you be in there? You remind me of of Moya. How far off his line was he during the game? He was that that sort of uh, sweeper keeper, wasn't he? Yeah, it was like he, that all game. Played. Yeah, he was, and, and I'm you know they were playing quite a bit through him, and when sometimes we were playing balls over the top, he was he was about uh, ten or fifteen yards outside his box, just picking a ball up. And starting their attack. Obviously, that's how, how they want to play. And obviously, that the lad's got the uh, decent ability with the ball at his feet. But any goalkeeper can make a mistake. And like we said, if that's Jordan Pickford, it's probably uh, covered a lot differently in the media. But um, the man to take the penalty, surprisingly, was uh, was Gilfie Sigurdsson. But there was a little, little bit of a little bit of a set two between between Gilfie Sigurdsson and uh, and Richarlison. I saw the footage for the first time this afternoon, actually. And the Charleston gets quite in his face uh, when Sigurdsson's actually got the ball off him. You know, a little bit of a head-to-head. And then it was Alan comes over and just pulls with Charleston away, takes him away, go away. He's a penalty taker. Um, obviously, Sigurdsson starts it over. But what, what are your thoughts on that? Because obviously, Richarlison Lee has been a little bit indifferent this season. Only scored one Premier League goal, which is a penalty. But what, what are your thoughts on that little bit of needle there? Anything to, to be concerned with? It depends how you look at it. I mean, some fans might look at that and think, "What you're doing, you're absolute idiot." You know, let, 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 you know, you're almost putting off the penny taker here if you're putting doubt in his mind that you want to take it ahead of him. Or for me, the way Richarlison is, he's desperate to score a goal, isn't he? He's desperate to score a goal. He hasn't scored in five games. He's obviously, you know, made a bit of an impact when he came on. Uh, sorry, when he came back against Fulham. 
he's sort of snatching at chances and he, he probably just felt in his own head, this is a great chance for me to get you know get on the score sheet here on a penalty. And look, he's a good penalty taker. He's taken pens for Brazil, hasn't he, as well? So, you know, the, the lad can take a pen. I know he's obviously missed one for us before as well, but, you know, fair deals to Gilfie for recomposing himself there. Um, and, you know, if, I, if I'm being totally honest, when he was stepping up to it, even after that set tier, it was a bit like, what's going on here? But, you know, that, that's a class pen, that. That's a class pen. I mean, that's complete composure personified. You know what I mean? He's looked at the keeper completely the whole, you know, the whole time and just rolled it in the opposite corner. That's an absolute top penalty. I think he scored, didn't he score a penalty in an empty stadium? Everyone's saying very similar Next style. Oh, he, he, he wouldn't do that with fans there. Well, obviously, I know it's only 2,000 fans and he still had the bottle to do it, didn't he? So, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad Gilfie stepped up and scored there because I thought that's the best game Gilfie's had for us, by the way, in a good while. Uh, he looked really up for it from the first whistle, didn't he? Uh, I know he's had some great news in his personal life recently. Maybe that was something to do with it as well. But yeah, I thought Gilfie had a very, very good game. We've all been very critical of, uh, of Gilfie, most fans, and in some in some cases, you know, right to call him out. You know, his work rate can be you know something to be desired. Sometimes we all know he's got ability. You know, he's shown it. He's shown it in flashes for us with some of his goal. You know, some of the goals he scored for us. But yeah, uh, you know, Gilfie and everyone else stepped up to the plate yesterday. But going back to yeah to Richie. You know, you could probably make a case for arguably he was he was our poorest player on the night. But you know, we all love him. We all love him because of, you know because of what he brings to that side. He's a, he's a constant threat down that side. He loves. He, he had a great battle with James. I thought James had a half decent game. He was lucky to stay on the pitch. To be fair, uh, he should have been. He should have got a second yellow, a second half. But those two had a right battle uh, down that side. And um, yeah, look, it, it's. It was the goal we needed. I tell you what would have been interesting though, because obviously we won the second pen, whether Rich, Richie would have taken that one. Um, it would have been quite interesting there because Gilfie taking that pen in that sort of style, uh, second pen would have been quite interesting um, if he'd have taken that second one, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you think though, Lee? Sorry to just jump in there. Obviously, yeah. surely the, the penalties are sorted, Andy, before you get on the pitch. You would imagine the penalty takers sorted. And if it wasn't, to get a second pen in the game, Whoever's took the pen in the first half and scored it, it would certainly be sorted then, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? I, oh, I would have been amazed 100%. if it did a change pen ticket after already slotting one in the first half. But who, who knows? It's the, it's that, that style of pen, though, if you're set, set, stepping up to take that style of pen again, I mean, I understand that we like someone like Bruno does that little hop and that obviously like makes the keeper maybe move one way. But for, for, for Siggy to take that, you know, he's looking at, you know, look at the keeper the whole time, isn't he? And then just waits and then goes like, right, because it wasn't in the corner. You know, I mean, it was, it was fairly central, wasn't it? Like right of centre, really. But uh, you know, credit where it's due. Um, you know, he, he recomposed himself. You know, there's that infamous, you know, Everton moment when when Morales did a very similar thing, didn't he? Um, and obviously, famously missed it. Um, but you know what? What I was really chuffed with in that in that you touched on it there, Mike, was the, was Alan in that scenario there. You know, what I mean, showing his leadership quality straight away. He comes flying in, grabs him, and says, "No, shut it. He's taking it," and then dragging him away. Before it became a bit of a scene, you know what I mean. He just got straight in there, and, and like you said, Mike, before, I mean, once there's once there's forty thousand in there, you know, and he's fully fit, he's he's going to be he's going to be absolutely loved by us, and he he just loves getting in people's faces, just loves putting tackles in. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm glad he played that role in it and just sort of dragged him and pulled him away. If you remember, Jag Yelka didn't get involved, did he? In no, that I was famous, just going to touch on that then. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, Jag Jag's just sort of tying his shoelaces job, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? And, and sort of didn't get involved. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I asked people before before we recorded about you know the highlights of the game and you know what what the what the thoughts were the the, the standouts on the night, whatever that might have been, and uh, we, you know people have been in touch about uh, Alan uh, Richard Dolphindel said before he treats us about every single minute his attitude, his leadership uh, with the ball, without the ball, and grabbing the game by the by the scruff of the neck, um, and and that's what he's all about and. Like I said, I think when we get forty thousand in there, imagine him. I think he goes up a level again. You know, we we saw, you know, obviously Mike, you saw him live for the first time yesterday. We saw how two thousand fans can influence him and the team. Imagine that when we got forty thousand in. Imagine that when we've got Hammers as well on the pitch. Obviously, he wasn't there. You know, we, we were missing big players yesterday again. Hammers not playing. Obviously, Luca Dean, Seamus Coleman, three guaranteed starters not on the squad. I mean, beat one of the, the the most informed sides in the league. But you know, g- going going back to to um, obviously the the uh, Alan and the Charleston situation, did did were the fans aware of that at the time, Mike? Because sometimes, obviously, when you're at the game, you miss you miss certain things. Um, but were the fans aware of what had gone on? Because it looked it looked a little bit. I don't want to dwell on it, but I don't. These kind of things bother me in terms of, like you say, this should all be sorted before the game. He's a penalty taker. He's taken the penalty. Um, but what bothered me more was probably the, the aggressive nature of Richarlison. It's one of those things for them to go, listen, give us the ball. He's taken the pen and he goes away and sulks. It's another thing to get in, in, in a teammate's face and, you know, potentially, you know, cause cause a bit of a scene. Yeah, I, I've got to admit, I wasn't aware of it for the first pen. Obviously, I was in the Gladys Street. It was down the park ends. I didn't see anything for the first pen. I certainly seen it for the second pen. Obviously, the pen that, that wasn't... Uh, it wasn't great, was it? It wasn't great to see. It's not what you want to see. Um, and obviously, don't forget, Gilfie was the captain yesterday, wasn't he? Whether you agree with it or not, to go up in your captain's face like that, it's 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 not great, is it? Um, and from then, you could see. He'd, I think he needs to bring it off from then, Richarlison. He didn't look at. He had to, you know, He always looks like he's miserable anyway, doesn't he? That's just the way he is. But you could see, mm-hmm. and Ancelotti's got his arms in the air, and he looked like they were having words on the sides. And then, um, obviously. He was off then, wasn't he? Not long after. But I didn't see anything for the first, but certainly seen it for the seconds. And hopefully it's not something that we'll see again going forward. It must have been the second that I've seen. It must, sorry, Lee. It must have been the second one that I've seen because I've only seen one clip. And my assumption was, oh, that, that's from the pen in the first half. But obviously, if you've seen at that particular end when we lined up for that second pen, which obviously was, um, which, which wasn't given, then that's what it must have been. But either way, it's just, it's, it's not a good look, is it? But, what were we going to say, Lee? Sorry. Yeah, I've said this before about Richarlison, um, and he's always looked like he, you know, he's moody, sulky. I, I kind of like that about him. I, 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 I think he's easy. If there's a criticism of a lot of modern footballers these days, a lot, of, a lot of, like losing doesn't hurt him. Losing hurts him. You can tell. You saw his reaction the other week. You know when we conceded against Fulham, and he's like a little petulant child smashing his fist into the ground. He hates losing. He hates losing anything. You can tell he's that type of player. Look, I'm not saying I'm not condoning. You shouldn't have got, you know, you should never have got in the captain's face and saying I'm having it. But in a way, that's almost like, look, the lad's confident as well. Give me the ball. I'm going to put this in the bloody net. You know what I mean? So it depends how you look at it. Um, you know, let's have it right. We missed him in those three games. Massively missed him. Missed his penetration. Missed his runs. You know, he's a, he's a lad that looks to get in behind. Looks to commit defenders. Look, it didn't really work for him yesterday in terms of overall performance. But, you know, he's got to be one of the first names on the team sheets every week, regardless of whether he's scoring goals or not. Um, so, yeah, so from that standpoint, I'm just, just kind of not sticking up for him, but just kind of saying that's just 
the player is. He obviously backs his talent going, look, I'm, I want to bury this. And that's what you want from your strikers, isn't it? You know what I mean? You know, like I said, he's been a bit, a bit of a drought and he probably saw it as a great chance to get back on the score sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I say, hopefully there's, there's no kind of lasting um, lasting damage there in, in, in terms of relationships. Sigerson was Chris after the game. Um, about it, and so they don't. You, you don't really want to want to see it, but it is what it is. It's it, it it's it's been it's been done. He took the penalty, he scored, and that's that's the end of that. And obviously, on Sigurdsson, great news for him this week in terms of his, his wife being pregnant. Like you say, whether that's an impact on on his performance um, against Chelsea, we don't know. But it was it was nice to see Sigurdsson impacting a game, and that that, that that's really important because. Sigurdsson's coming through a lot of stick at times, which you know it's it's it happens, doesn't it? You know, players go through uh, poor runs of form. Sigurdsson's one of them because of his price tag, probably more than more than other players. He's looked at uh, in even in even more detail, and I was just happy for him that he influenced the game, and and he looked he looked to be a bit of a different player, playing with you know less fear. You know, when people questioned again, they saw Sigurdsson back on the side and it was, you know, well, what, what's he doing back on the side kind of thing. But, you know, it, it's just good to see him, to see him playing his football. I think I think I said to you, Lee, I think it, out of the, there were seven seven shots on target. This is off the top of my head. Uh, Sigurdsson obviously had one of those shots and he assisted the other six, which is, which is incredible. That shows how much he impacted the game. Um, and I'm just delighted. I'm delighted for him that he's, he's he's had a decent game, and and it was noted by the fans. People are being such to say how, how impressed they were with him, and hopefully it gives him a bit of a bit of a kick on for for the rest of the season. Uh, but one player I want to mention. I go through the whole side yesterday, but Pete, yet again, another good game for Alex Awobi. Yeah, yeah, it was great to see as well, wasn't it? I, I said to a couple of people when. Iwobi had that chance on the right-hand side, arguably his favoured position. You know, what version of him is going to turn up? Which Alex Iwobi are we going to see? It's a top, top side as well. You know, it's all very well playing, you know, having a great game in the Cup or having a great half against Fulham. But, you know, can you do it against the top, top side? And he really gave um, Chilwell, who's a top, top left-back, a really torrid time. He really pinned him back. And the, the thing I really liked about him was his aggression. He was as soon as he got the ball, he just looked to carry it. He just looked to run with it. And I think when you play in that kind of system, that's what you need. You know, I think if you try and play the ball too much, especially from deep areas, you're not going to transition up the pitch quickly, um, and you're going to risk giving it away. But he just got the ball and he just ran and ran with confidence, and he looked like he was enjoying himself. Um, and he didn't get found out really in terms of doubling up on the defence as well, which was really important. We know Richarlison is great at that, don't we? On the on the left hand side. But I thought he had an all-round really solid game and um, hopefully it's win-win for us so we're not so reliant on Hammers always being able to play on that right-hand side. I did read an article, I think it was the Telegraph or the Times, saying arguably if Hammers did play on the right, we would have had to set up tactically very, very differently. We wouldn't be able to play in the same way. So could argue it's it's a real strength, um, another sort of string to our bow, being able to set up in different systems, have different options. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really pleased for him. I, ho- I hope this season is sort of the start of the Alex Iwobi that we uh, we all hoped we signed because it, it does look like there's a player there if he can be a bit more consistent. Yeah, I was going to mention that actually, guys. Sorry, mate. What's everyone's thoughts like if Hamez is fit for the next game in midweek? Does he change the side? 
I was dreading getting asked that question myself. <laughs> I, I, you don't change a winning side for me ever. It, that's my personal opinion. Um, what, what you know, you got to win inside. If something's working, what is it you're trying to find? You know, what, what do you lads think? Three games in a week, though, isn't it? That's the thing, isn't it? So oh, yeah. About rotation as well. That's and I, as you other... mentioned there, you've got to be adaptable, haven't you? You've, you've got to be capable of, of switching things up a bit. But that, that's been, though, probably the, the right-hand side in, in the 4-3-3 system has been the Achilles heel in terms of, you know, conceding goals and, and sides looking to exploit the fact that Hammers defensively, you know, he, he's got no kind of defensive responsibility. So sides have played on that and that's, that's what's probably cost us the time. So, that has been an issue, but at the you know the early part of the season, I've said this before, the attitude was: if you go and score two, we'll go and score four or five anyway, so it makes no difference. Whereas this week now coming up, obviously we've had Chelsea, uh, obviously no hammers for that. Leicester and Arsenal, two two different sort of quality sides compared to maybe what we were playing at the start of the season. So I think you're right, Mike. I think if you look at how we played against Chelsea, different game against Leicester. Um, but I think I'd be looking to be assured at the back again. I'd be looking not to concede the goal. You don't concede, you don't lose. And whether you come away with a draw or a win, you know, we've got enough on the pitch to, to cause them problems on the counter again. Um, I think I will be playing games, consecutive games. It was, it was it four games on the spin he's played now. You know, it's great for him. He, he must be feeling a million dollars now. You know, he's getting his confidence back. The mind's just trusting them to play in a variety of positions. He's been effective when he's played on the right hand side, whether it be as a wing back or in the in the, um on the right further forward against Chelsea. So I think you're right. And if Hammers has got this calf niggle anyway, didn't train last week, I can't see him coming straight back into the side against against Leicester midweek anyway, to be honest. So I fully expect that that same eleven, assuming that they're all fit. To, to start the game. Um, what do you think, Pete? Do you think it'll, it'll go same same eleven against Leicester? I, I hope so. I agree with Mike. Why, why would you change that side? I, I mean, how many times have I watched Everton? We could be 3-0 up. Sometimes my heart's going like the clappers and I'm thinking, until this final whistle goes, I'm not going to rest. I'm not going to settle. But even in that Chelsea game, they did not look like laying a glove on us. We were so good. We were so organised. You could see we had a really solid system. And if you think back to the United game, he did play them both together, didn't he? Is that the only game that they've both started, Sigurdsson and James? Mm. And I think the moment we went 3-1 down, um, or even 2-1 down, we had no plan B, did we? You know, really yeah. look, look at the yeah. bench. Who's going to come on and really change that game um, when Sigurdsson and James are both already on? So I, I think, you know, either you go with the 4-3-3 with James on the right and have your you sort of water carriers in midfield, or you have, you have the sort of 4-2-3-1 with Sigurdsson can play closer to Calvert-Lewin and be more like a 10 where you're actually going to get the best out of him. Um, it's, it's it's the best way to get the best out of both players, in my view. But again, I've said it many times, it's not it's not footy manager. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And, and it's it's a good problem to have. You know, it's it's a game which we, we knew was going to be tough after how we played over the last few weeks, it was great to come away with, with three points in front of fans for the first time in nine months. And it keeps us in touch, doesn't it? You know, we're, we're right up there yet again. Um, great win. We said already, difficult month. We're going to come on to, obviously, the, the games coming up over the next the next uh, five, six days, surely. Um, but a great way to, to finish the uh, the weekend off. And, and, and that came just after, and we're going to discuss this in, in a little bit of detail now, 
um, the announcement of of the accounts for the for the nineteen twenty year. And we're not going to sit here and, and profess with any kind of accountancy expert. That that is for sure. Um, but I think it's really important, uh, Lee, that we highlight the the impact of, of Farhad Mishdi and the fact that, bear in mind, we, we've we've announced obviously um, huge losses for the year. Uh, obviously, there's, there's a, a big percentage of those which have been uh, attributed to to COVID nineteen. But the, the headline figures for those who haven't seen them, the the losses made in uh, nineteen twenty up to June. The 30th, 2020, was uh, 139.9 million and 67.3 million have been put down to the impact of COVID-19, but still means that obviously 72.6 million pound um, as, a, as, a, as a loss, if you like, outside of COVID-19. Now, there's been an announcement that, that about this 250 million pound um, investment by, by Farhad Mishiri. Um, and the, it's to do obviously with with the inflation of shares. Uh, he's put two hundred million pound in already, and a further fifty million pound in November twenty twenty. But the key message, Lee, really, without you know, as I say, we don't want to blind people with science. We don't want people to go away with the wrong information. But let's have a little bit of praise for the fact that Farhad Mashiri once again is back in the club. For me, Farhad Farhad has been a godsend for us. You know, Bill Bill uh, has been at the club for a long time. Um, you know, in, whether you like him or not, you know, we've all got our, our own opinions of, of Kenwright and, and in terms of what he's done with the club. Fundamentally, for me, Bill Kenwright is an out-and-out Evertonian. He loves the club. And, you know, he was looking to try and find the right investor. You know, it doesn't take a genius to work out that you can easily find the wrong investor in this type of market. And we could probably reel off a load of clubs here that have done that. Bringing in Fahad Mashiri, you know, um, a relative unknown, if you like, uh, obviously linked to a, to another billionaire as well. He'll remain nameless, uh, the Trojan horse. But um, but no, with regards to that, I mean, he's been he's been great for us as a club. You have to ask the question: with the money he's invested into the club, would we have Carlo Ancelotti at the helm now? No. Would be on the on the verge of having Bramley Moore dock bill, of which he's obviously been a significant part of that. No. And would we have some of the signings we have in that team right now? No. You know what I mean? So he he is taken us to another level financially. Uh, yes, look, look, those figures don't read great, but you know those those figures can you know a lot of clubs nowadays are heavily debted, you know, and actually back you know essentially financed by owners. So you know it's the way football is nowadays. And thought you've got to have money to be able to compete at the top table. And we're not even at the top table yet. You know what I mean? We want to be there. We aspire to be there, and we'll hopefully get there once we get Bramley Moore in place and things like that. But you need money now to be to be to be competitive. Yes, he's made he's probably you know sought advice from probably the wrong people. He's probably made some appointments he'd probably regret. But look at look at teams who've come into money recently. You know, like the likes of City, the likes of, they didn't get it right straight away. It takes time. And you know, as as fans now, after you know, we all probably most of us probably realise now we've probably got the right man. Well, we have, in my opinion, got the right manager at the helm. He needs time now to you know to rebuild that that sort of Frankenstein squad as we've called it in the past. We've got brands in there who, for me, I think should stay on and now rebuild, like sort of the academy side and how we bleed players into the actual into the first team and totally restructure that. We've talked about that in the past as well. So for me, he's he's been a great asset to the club, and he looks like you know based on you know the money he's now putting in as well, he's in this for the long haul, isn't he? You know, he's not in this just for a whim and then to pull his money out and try and make a profit. 
know, because he could sell the club now for a lot more than what he paid for it. But he wants, for me, I think his vision is he wants to see us in that stadium um, and, and you know, hopefully have a team worthy of, of playing in that stadium, hopefully playing at, at the highest level in, in, in football. I think that was always the, you know, when when we get <clears throat> buyers coming in and people interested in the club, Bill Kenneth always said, didn't he, that how he wanted to make sure he was the right person and um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and he weren't just going to come in and do say what happened at, at Portsmouth, for, for example. Um, that's always a concern, isn't it? When obviously clubs clubs change hands and people come in with big money and how's it going to end? And I think it's I think it's fair to say, like I said before, you know, Farhad is is massively backed the club. Sometimes, you know, he's made wrong decisions, as you said, Lee. Sometimes he's he's backed. You know, we we go back to the to the Cumin Steve Walsh era, should we call it that? And a lot of mistakes were made. You know, money was lashed about. For, you know, buying very very similar players, it didn't work. Cumin goes, and obviously the rest is history. But we're still paying for those mistakes now. It's got to be said. We're still, you know, we we brought in Carlo Ancelotti, and he's still going to need another probably two or three windows to sort out the mess that that has that has gone before him. So mistakes have been made, of course, and and we can't always have an owner who, who's happy to absorb losses either. You know, I think the, the Esther did a really good piece which breaks it all down and I dare to anyone you know, to, to, to learn more about the accounts and to look at that side of things. Have a read of his, he's got a, a tweet on there at the moment, it's pinned to his, to his profile. Have a read of it because it, it puts it in, in fairly simple terms for, for ourselves. Um, but he says, you know, it's a luxury to have this kind of owner who's happy to absorb losses but it can't go on forever. There's things that need to be to be addressed um, by by far having to see you going forward, but but Mike, it definitely seems, doesn't it, that like Lee said, then she wants to be here for the longer term. He most definitely wants to be here to, to be sitting in Bramley Moor on that opening day, that opening match, to see obviously is his vision and the club's vision come to life. Absolutely, yeah, and I agree with what you both just said there, and obviously. You know, Mashiri's commitment to the club can't be questioned, can it? It can't be questioned at all. You know, he, he's continued to invest uh, personally, you know, on a, on a massive level. The Iranian certainly has the doll he claims to have, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, listen, obviously he's made some wrong decisions. Of course he, of course he has. It's down to Mashiri now, isn't it, to get the right people in who are going to turn these losses into profits, you know, as you said that I, re- I read the S article, it was fantastic. You know, he, he's a lot more uh, knowledgeable on the subject than I am. Um, but listen, Mishiri, at the end of the day, he's a, the man's a billionaire chartered accountant. You know, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll get it right. I'm sure he, I'm sure he knows what he's doing. Mm. You, you feel the same, Pete, in terms of Mishiri, happy with what he's done since he's come. Well, obviously, this thing, as we said, things which have gone wrong, but happy with the level of commitment, I should say, that he's shown the club since he's come in. Couldn't be more delighted. C- could not be more delighted. I, I think... You know, you've got to look at the, like you said, the way that big money deals have gone wrong in football. You know, and also the mismanagement of football clubs, the, the use of, of clubs as cash cows, as businesses. I mean, Mike Ashley, I know he's a famous example. But he's, he's supposed to the you know, local guy, isn't he? Boyhood Newcastle fan. Look what he's done to that club. Look at how he runs it. Look at what happened to Leeds. Look at United with the Glazers. They start another bloody football club. That's, <laughs> that's how their fans feel, you know. Uh, Villa as well, 
look look what happened to them. So you know, I I think sometimes I, I don't understand some of the stick that he he he, uh, he ends up getting, particularly online. And sometimes you question whether it comes from real fans because what what do people want him to do differently? He's pumped money into the club. He's made I don't know how many statements of intent and the infrastructure as well. You know the Bramley Moor, the youth setup facilities. Um, you know he's bailed us out how many times? So it, it's clear that, like Lisa, his vision is he wants a successful football club, he wants to win things with a football club. So I think the fact that he's with us is is brilliant. It's fantastic. You've got to remember before he took. Sorry, go on, mate. No, go on. You're on right, League One. I was going to say you got to remember when he t- when he took over from Bill. You know he cleared the debts, cleared the debts as well. You know we were we were literally you know. Yeah, we were knocking on the door every bank saying, right, can we try and restructure this loan, please? You know what I mean? You know, just to, just to basically keep, you know, keep keep us going effectively. You know, and, and he, he's come in, he's completely wiped the loan the, the loans out. Um, he's increasing his shareholding again. Um, yeah, for anyone that really wants to really dig him out, I th- I, I'm, I'm shaking my head. Look, the frustration with fans is that with Everton under Moyes, certainly Pete Moyes here, we punched above our weight, didn't we, a little bit. Not as a club, the size of a club, not saying that, but in terms of the money we invested, the wages we were paying compared to those around us, we punched above our weight. And obviously, all of us amongst fans were like, what would it be like if we actually came into money? What would it be like? Because really, Moyes was a top centre-forward away from probably being a Champions League side, a regular Champions League side. And that's not being biased and Everton. I think that most Everton fans would agree with that. You know, if we had a top, top centre-forward in that team that Moyes put together, we probably would have been in the top four, I reckon, more often than not. And we all thought as fans, didn't we? Like, you know, once we get into money, once we get into money, we'll really punch, we'll put, put, punch through that glass ceiling now. We'll punch through then. You know, and it's not quite happened like that, has it? It's, you know, we've come into money and we've bought, you know, players, probably some of them more, you know, paid for more than uh, we should have done for some. And we haven't quite made that that real step up. Like uh, you said, think that's different times. Different times. Yeah, different imagine times, imagine different if Chelsea times. would, you know, would have operated under financial fair play restrictions. Look at some of the terrible signings they've made for millions. Scott Parker. How many games of football did he play for Chelsea? <laughs> Who was the lad they bought from Reading as well? Reddin. I mean, you could reel them off. You can, you can reel them off. You can reel them off Liverpool as well. Aquilani. Yeah. You know, the money they spent on him. The money Stuart Downing. You know, they've, they've, they've had their fair share. City as well. got away with it as well. Yeah, they did. I mean, the thing is, you know. Not every signing is going to work, you know. And if you look at our wage bill, it's still nowhere near some of the other some of the other clubs. And no, the wage bill, the wage bill's normally haven't we for for some expensive mistakes where perhaps other clubs really haven't been penalised at all. They, they they were operating at a time where they could just put their hand in the pocket and go out and buy another player and leave Scott Parker training three times a week well, and pick exactly, up massive exactly. wages. Exactly, and pre FFP. What did City do when they reported? I think some like two hundred and fifty million pound losses. They literally went, "Oh yeah, we're just sponsoring this by Etihad. For, uh, how much is it? Oh, just two fifty million, exactly. <laughs> you know, clears the debt. So you can get away with it, and that's why you know the argue brought FFP in. We've had a chat about FFP on here before, you know, and our, our feelings are quite clear on it. You know, Wenger's come out and said exactly what we think, hasn't he? In the past, said it's actually preventing competition to the status quo. It's the same teams. It's the same teams qualifying for the Champions League." across all the major leagues, pretty much every single season. You know I mean? Give or take one or two. And lo and behold, it's those teams that tend to spend the most money and have the highest wage bills. So, you know, I do agree with Arsenal in that respect massively. You know, it's, it's good for the game. It's good for the game that more and more teams are competing. You know, it's good for us this season that the, you know, the top 10 teams are all about five, six points apart. It's great for our game that we've got a competitive league. You need that. 
you know, football needs that. Um, but, you know, in terms of Farhad, like I said, I, th- I think he's been great for the club. Um, uh, he's, 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 you know, you can dissect the figures, but, you know, the commercial revenue has improved massively. You know, that, that's a big plus. That's only going to grow. That's what I was just going to point out, Lee. Yeah, it's more than doubled. So I was reading today, it's more than doubled in the past year. You know, exactly. obviously, a, a lot of that come from the Finch fans, isn't it? The naming rights. And, you know, we all make jokes about, uh, you know, Usmanov sponsoring the traffic cones on Goodison Road and stuff. But it's, it's that kind of thing that's needed, isn't it? You know, it's it, and that's that's where I think Machado will come into his own. He, he knows what he's doing. It's, it, it's, it's not going to happen overnight, is it? It's not good enough to just have money anymore. You've got to have you've got to have the right infrastructure and, you know, the right approach. And he'll get it right, he will. Uh, yeah, and the stadium's a long-term project element of that. You know, the revenue from the stadium, the fact that like, hospitality in that stadium, you know, whether we like it or not, you know, the, the big, the big sort of, you know, fifty, fifty thousand pounds a year sort of season ticket, uh, you know, whether we like that or not, we've all seen the pictures, those images sitting in the seats with a TV. In. Look, most of us lot would probably not want to sit there, even if you had all the money in the world, you want to sit with your fans. But you know, football is like that now, unfortunately. You know, we, we will shift probably, you know, thirty, forty of those seats in the season, you know, to to, to, to corporates, if you like. And that's the way it is, and that's the long term. That's the long term security. Bramley Moor will be our long term security for Everton Football Club. As much as we all love Goodison Park, for me, it's the best ground in the country by a mile. But but in terms of where really long term sustainability as a football club, we need to be moving to that new stadium. And he knows that. And you know, we all we all we all absolutely gutted when we missed out on the King's Dock. You know, what did we need? I think the exact figure was up towards it 20, 25 mil we just needed to raise to get that King's Dock one off the ground. And it fell through because we, you know, Bill didn't quite have the cash wheel to get it or get the people in to back it. If we had Mishiri then, we'd have had it. You know, where Liverpool is now would have been our stadium. You know what I mean? But now, we, we, you know, we're going to have this incredible stadium right on the docks of Bramley Moor. And, you know, all of us will be going there and hopefully about five, six years time going, wow, look at this place. I, th- I think I think once we get planned permission through for Bramley Moor, I think that's when we start to sort of turn a corner even more commercially because when when backers and investors and you know outside companies see well okay it's now nailed on building work started it's going to happen you know we'll then see us turn a corner even more i know obviously you talk about the the uh, the commercial side doubling which is which is great you know it's in over 12 months it's doubled obviously a, a big big portion that's been is due to usm looking to get the uh naming rights on Bramley Moor, so they paid a wedge towards that, of course. But even so, there's still been an increase in that side of things, the commercial revenue. But once we get that planning permission announced and Historic England do one and stop interfering with a derelict dock, because, you know, let, let's face it, they're, they're absolutely winding people up if you think that this is going to be stopped by by some some people in the, in suits down in London. It's, it's not It's not going to happen. You know, this 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 is this stadium is needed, especially post COVID. It's you know, post Brexit, all of that. This stadium is needed for the future of this city. Of course, it is. So it's 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 too good not to happen. You know, but once we st- once we get that first spade in the ground, plan permission is granted. That's when we'll see an even bigger change, and we've got the right man at the club, obviously with with Mishiri's background to to take us to that next level of investments which is fantastic and you know it's it's just i think you said pete you know it's 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 a it's a bit of a bit of good news in in such a, an appalling time for you know for for, uh, for so many you know the we, we've got a man we've got a, a man at the helm in, in farhad machine who wants to be at the club he wants to back the club he's got a long-term vision and he's going to be able to see it through 
and that's that's a really really important method. So we, that was a bit of good news this week, really. As much as the accounts look awful, if you like, there's reasons for that. Uh, but he he definitely definitely shows his commitment to the club yet again for had machinery. Uh, Meanwhile, but, this is it, only the beginning of his era, by the way, as well. This is only the beginning. You know, he's been there a few years. You know, this is only the beginning of of, of his his era at the club. Um, and for me, like I said before, I think we've got now got the right manager in place. Win, lose, or draw, we keep that fellow as long as we can at the football club. For me, he's a top top manager. Showed it yesterday. Uh, you know, changing the tactics. Okay, look with the plastered up defence into that, but you know. He's a top manager now. We need to keep that guy, as I said, as long as as long as we can at that football club. Look at that team now, and then look at that team in a couple of years when he's had his fingerprints all over it. That'll be that'll be an even better side. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, Mashiri, Hopefully, with Carlo at the helm, managing the football club will be only good for Evertonians. I think. Mm. Most definitely, most definitely. But let's let's jump back to the football on the uh, on the field of play. Um, we've got a, a couple of games coming up in the Premier League. It's, it's always a busy time, Christmas. Um, and we, as we said already, difficult month, December. You know, we started things off well against Chelsea, of course. Um, but difficult, difficult week, should we say. So we, we, we kick things off on Wednesday, six o'clock kickoff away at Leicester. Leicester are flying high, you know, only a point off the top. Um, you know, a, a little bit of a lull. You know, they lost the home to Fulham. Uh, but these teams have turned the corner again. Always a difficult game. Uh, but we, we're going to go there in, in high spirits, that's for sure, Mike. And, and like we said before, we, we feel we're going to probably uh, have the same start 11 for that game. Yeah, I would certainly go with the same start 11. Um, certainly defensively as well. I'm expecting the same kind of organisation and concentration that we've seen yesterday. You know, you've got to be disciplined, haven't you, against the Leicester. You can't let them catch it on the break. Obviously, Jamie Vardy, we all know about him, Harvey Barnes and the likes. I think we'll probably have to impose ourselves a bit more on the game than we did yesterday because I think they can be got at Leicester. You know, I watched them play Fulham a couple of weeks ago and uh, Fulham totally deserved to beat them. Fulham caused them all kinds of problems. I think they can be got at. Um, and I think if we if we do sit off them and, and show them too much respect, um, you know, they've got players there who, who can harm you from distance. You know, where James Madison, he looks, to, he looks to shoot every time he gets the ball, doesn't he? And we all know we've been pretty susceptible, haven't we, to shots from outside the box this season. But uh, no, we go there in confidence. And I'm certainly a lot more confident after seeing that last night. Um, I, I, think, I think we'll win. Do you think that that sets up obviously Mike Mike saying they were keeping the same eleven? I think we all we all said before about we don't change a win inside, and I, th- I think you know we, we showed quite a lot against Chelsea with that formation and with that personnel. Do you think going going to Leicester with that personnel and the same kind of setup, we can go there and like, like Mike saying there, take the game to them a little bit more than we did to Chelsea? Yeah, I mean for me, two things. One, I'd expect us to have more of the ball. Um, against Leicester but for me rather than James Rodriguez whether he's fit or not to come back or whether he's on the bench I, I think the thing that might give Carlo a bit of a selection dilemma is Jamie Vardy like Mike said because he, he represents a different, a very different kettle of fish from Olivia Giroud doesn't he for Michael Keane and Yerry Mina to manage um, and that you know that changes everything doesn't it in terms of you know where you have the line, how high you are who picks him up he likes to roam, doesn't he, between the spaces? So potentially that could cause us a lot of problems. But then if if Carlo opted to go with maybe Holgate and Keane, it's what he does a full back. So I think it will be a an interesting sort of selection dilemma, really. Um, mm. 
But you'd hope after the performance against Chelsea, keeping the same system, the same organisation, the same sort of spirit, that we could definitely go there and get something. I think that's that's a real valid point, isn't it? Because obviously against Chelsea, they had the big man up top in, in Giroud. Obviously, Abraham came on late, later on as well. And we, we were designed and we were set up for, for the two big lads at centre-half to deal with the with the height and the presence of Giroud or, or Tammy Abraham. But when you go to Leicester, and you got someone with the, the pace of Jamie Vardy, you you know, Leicester uh, play balls over the top and he, he'll be in, or obviously down the line and, and Vardy will nip in. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a serious question that Carlo's got there, isn't it, Lee? You know, whether that he feels that he can play two, two big lads in, you know, and arguably not particularly quick centre-halves in Michael Keane and Yeri Mina. Or, you know, if Seamus Coleman is fifth, potentially back in at right-back, you can then maybe throw Holgate in. He's got that bit more pace alongside, say, Michael Keane and Keith Godfrey at left back. But it's it's that could be a question that Carl needs to answer on Wednesday night, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is a tactical thing he needs to look at. For me, for me, when I've watched Leicester this season, they have looked uh, very, very good against teams that want to have the ball. They've looked very, very, you know, where they can just sit off you and, and bang you on the counter attack. They did it to City, famously did it to City earlier in the season, scored five. They've played. Um, they played Fulham over there, like Mike said. I thought Fulham were brilliant in that game. Fulham were excellent today as well, by the way. But I thought they were brilliant in that game, and, and that for me is how you beat Leicester. You deny space in behind. Jamie Vardy, if he's got no grass to run into with his back to goal, he's useless. He's useless. He's a very good finisher, but with his back to goal, he's not. You, you don't see him touch the ball hardly ever in a game. If he's got grass to run into, that's when he's dangerous. They played Sheffield United a few days uh, after the Fulham game. And they got literally a 95th-minute winner with Vardy on the counter. Sheffield United, who've been you know, comfortably the worst team in the league this season, on one point. And they were literally, what, 30 seconds away from getting a point against Leicester there. And to be honest, they probably should have got more than that if you watch the game. So if you deny them space in behind, and I think Carlo's not stupid. I, I, I don't mind having 30 35% possession against Leicester in that game and just sitting off them and going, go on then, what are you going to do? Put some crosses in for Vardy. Yeah, we'll win. We'll win those in the air all day. Um, the the three 0 up at half time against Brighton. Brighton are again a perfect team for Leicester to play, to play against. Brighton loves to get on the ball. They love to attack. Loves to get their full backs forward. And obviously, if you're judging by that, we obviously not seeing the games we're recording this. But the three 0 down at half time so that suits Leicester down to a tee completely. So for me, go there, sit off, and then literally have like we like we very very much did against Chelsea. Have a real threat on the counter attack. So I think if we go there and play that way, I think we'll beat him. Mm. Well, I, I think I think you're right. I think you know we, we go into the into the game with with obviously spirits are high. Great win against Chelsea, and um, we can we can definitely go there and, and and beat them. That's for sure. I think obviously it it needs to be tactically very very issues and very very good and right for that team. And that this is where the the flexibility of of Ancelotti and his tactics come in. Because you know we can't set up exactly the same against every single side in the league, but I think we need we need to go in there with with confidence and you know trusting ourselves to, to be able to go there and and get a win. We know how important this month is. We know obviously how busy it is. So it's important. To, you know, Carlos mentioned potentially over the course of this month, Calvert Lewin will be given probably a, a game off and he won't start uh, because he's obviously he's playing week in week out. I can't see him dropping Calvert Lewin for Leicester and playing Cheng Tosson against against Leicester in in all of them. Um, 
but we've got to, you know, we, we can we can get our teams on their council. We really can. We do have pace, you know. If if a Wobie starts on on the right hand side, he's got that bit of pace. Obviously, you've got Charles and Calvert Lewin have got pace, um, and you know we we can use the likes of sort of Alan and and the Corey to carry the ball forward centrally as well. But it's it's a game which you know I think I can see it being pretty tight. And if we go there and set up in a similar fashion as we did do against Chelsea, I wouldn't say that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that we're going to be meaning Michael Keane as, as a two centre-halves against Jamie Vardy. But what I mean is be defensively sound and be disciplined. I can see us going in and getting a win, I'll be honest with you. And it's going to be tough. Decent side, like you say, Lee, against Brighton. Seeing a lot. Vardy's on the score sheet. Madison scored two, I think, from last time I checked. So, they're going to come into the game because they won't lose from that position today. Uh, flying high and, you know, sitting pretty yet again. Uh, Leicester and, and pushing pushing those uh, those top top uh, places in the league. But we'll see. We'll see. Mike, what are your thoughts on, on prediction scoreline on Wednesday? I think it'll be tight. I agree with you, Mike. Um, I'm going to go for another 1-0. One 1-0 nil. One nil to the Toffees. Uh, I'll take that all day. As you say, I mean, we talk about Jamie Vardy and that, but I don't think we can look at switching around our defence just to worry about Jamie Vardy. You know, let, let's keep the way we've been. Let's keep it tight, keep it compact and let Jamie Vardy worry about how he's going to try and break that down. Uh, I, I fancy us 1-0. Pete, agree? I'm going to go for the 1-1. I, I, think, yeah, I think it'll be a tight game, but I think Leicester seem to have clicked into a bit of form um, recently and I, I think they've won dirty, haven't they, a couple of times, um, which is the sign normally that a decent team, so yeah, one-one. I think. Lee, no fans, no fans are there at Leicester's ground. Uh, tier three part of the country might help us. Can we win the game? Yeah, like I said, I, I, if we set up the way we set up against Chelsea, and I think Chelsea are obviously a better team than Leicester, but and uh, if we set up that way, uh, like Mike alluded to, there, play the same side. I, I would definitely play the same side, even if Hammers was fit. You know, um, I'd, I'd have him, you know, potentially coming off the bench uh, in in that game anyway. So um, for me, yeah, I mean, Leicester had a bit of a slump end of November, early December. They lost, they lost three on the spin. If you include the match in Europe as well, so they lost three 0 to Liverpool. They were dreadful in that game at Anfield, by the way, and that's when Liverpool weren't really flying then either. Um, and then they obviously lost uh, to the Fulham in, in the Fulham uh, game at home, um, where Fulham got it tactically absolutely spot on. And that's like I said before, that is the way you beat this Leicester team. Uh, they've always been a counter-attacking team, as they got very fortunate against Sheffield United, and then since then they've gone on a bit of a run. They obviously beat Athens in the week to uh, to qualify for the next stages of the Europa League, uh, and obviously looks like they're going to pick up three points again. So they've obviously turned the corner the last couple of games. But I think we go there full of confidence after that win, um, and you know I think we'll nick it one nil. I agree with Mike. I think it'll be one nil. I think we can shut them out, deny deny them space. I think we've got more than enough going forward to score a goal. Um, and I think Richarlison's over G1. And I can back Richarlison to score on on Wednesday. That's hope so. I I, I think I, I think we're I think we're gonna win the game. I really do. Um I think we had a, a bit of a we turned the corner there against Chelsea last night. Uh, you know that defense that defensive setup looks looks solid. As we've said, whether we and Mike's alluded to there whether we do feel we need to adapt to, to a Jamie Vardy type player or we keep what we what we had against Chelsea. You know, we, we've got pace in terms of our left and right back to to maybe dropping if they need to. 
uh, to cover Jamie Vardy because we saw quite a bit against Chelsea. You noticed quite often the defenders were going with the attackers. So say it was you, was dropping in short. A lot of the time, Mina or Keane would go with him and then you saw Holgate do the same as well. You know, so they were doing that quite often. So we might see a little bit of that, a little bit of a sort of man-marking situation. But I think we'll go there. I can see us getting a win. I can see a 2-1 win. I think Richardson will bag. I think I think Calvert-Lewin will be back on the score sheet. Because he always scores. Um, but hopefully that that'll be that'll be a great few days for us against two against two uh, real tough sides. Um, but th- but let's let's look ahead again if we can do because uh, we won't record after the Leicester game. We'll we'll be recording next weekend after we face staff. So Arsenal come to Goodison Park. It's a, another chance, hopefully, for our fans to be in there. With a couple of thousand fans in there as part of the uh, the ballot. And it's it's fair to say. Mike, in regards to Arsenal, you know, Mikel Arteta has, has been lauded or was lauded, you know, with with, with Arsenal. Um, I think he's done okay personally. However, however, if you look at them this season, that Arsenal side, and they've got some, they've got quality there. They, they, they're really struggling, aren't they, at the moment? They are, they're struggling, aren't they? And their biggest problem looks like it's creativity, doesn't it? I was looking today, I think they've scored less than 10 goals so far this season which is a stat in itself when you think they've got the likes of Aubameyang and Lacazette in the ranks. Uh, but yeah, creativity's been a problem. Obviously, Ozil's way out the picture, isn't he, for whatever reason. Um, William hasn't quite had the impact that he or Arteta would have wanted since signing him. Um, it's hard, isn't it, because there's a game in between. So all of our opinions could be totally different come next week. But again, I think as long as we're disciplined and we're organised and compact, then I think we beat them. Listen, they won't be looking forward to coming to Goodison next week, especially with fans in the ground. They won't be looking forward to that at all. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really strongly fancy us against Arsenal. Um, but again, it all comes down to being organised at the back and, and being disciplined because obviously we, we know how erratic we can be at times. I think if we're organised, disciplined, we build from that, I fancy us all day against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Like I say, it's difficult to look that far ahead with a game in midweek because things can change. You know, we, we could we could beat Leicester, we could we could lose Arsenal, could win their game midweek. So it's, it, it is difficult to look ahead. But Peter, are you surprised with how things are going at Arsenal at the moment? You know, they've scored. They've just checked them. They scored ten goals as as we're recording tonight. Uh, they are in action as as we are recording. Uh, they're sitting fourteenth. Minus four goal difference. You know, when they when they got players the likes of Aubameyang, Lacazette, William, who I always rated at Chelsea, I think he I think he's quality. Saka, who causes problems when he uh, when he came on, if you remember at the Emirates. It was in February time. You know, they've they've got some some real attacking quality there. But are you surprised with with the way things are going this season for them? Yeah, I'm really surprised. I never would have put them um down where they are on the table. Especially look at how they finished the season, you know, winning the FA Cup, uh, playing some really good football. And obviously Arteta came in, didn't he? Uh, at pretty much the same time Ancelotti did. We had that that sort of initial game where they were both sat in the stands and it was sort of us, them and United, trying to buy um, for the like remaining European place. And obviously we just seemed to fall off. And I think for us, once maybe that settled in with the players, we had a couple of games that didn't quite go our way, that, that awful decision in the United game and... Um, we had a bit of bad luck in the Arsenal game as well. Um, we sort of fell off, but they seemed to push on and push on. Uh, these, uh, in that first game against Fulham as well, they played with that front, th- front three, Aubameyang, Lacazette, William, and they looked really sharp, really neat, playing some really good football. 
and you thought they'd be right up there. Um, so it's hard to sort of fathom what's not quite clicked for them. Like uh, like Mike was saying, especially when you look at the players they've got, Nicola Pepe as well. What did they pay? 60, 70 million. That's a lot of money on him, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, and they've just not managed to to get a player out of him either. They can't get a tune out of him. Um, so mm. I hope we're playing them at the right time. Um, and arguably, that system we put out against Chelsea might be the the style of football we need to play both Leicester and Arsenal because I watched the Spurs game and they look clueless, Arsenal. So they, they, you know, toward the end of that first half, they got absolutely nothing out of Spurs and they looked lost after that. They looked absolutely lost. They didn't look like they had a plan B. Um, again, making that middle space really tight, looking to hit them on the break in between um the, the sort of the wing backs worked really really well for Spurs and you know as soon as they had that two goal cushion they just sat back behind it and I'd love to see us do the same just make it a really uncomfortable difficult game put all the pressure on them to play football and just look to um to hurt them where, where, where we know we can get at them and mm. I'm, I'm one player Lee because I know obviously we discussed this player at length over the, the the last few months especially over the course of the transfer window Gabriel obviously selected to go to Arsenal over over coming to Everton, and he was a player that we thought that we missed out on, and could have really uh, be, been a, one of our, our missing jigsaw pieces at the back for us, you know. But he he's done pretty well, I think, for Arsenal overall. But the start of the season pretty well. I thought he looked looked a decent side, but the wheels the, the you know the wheels have come off a little bit, and. Uh, I, I, I almost, and it sounds a little bit sad, this, but I, I, like, I like it when players don't come to us and turn us down for whatever reason it might be. And when, when they started a new club, things don't always go right for them. I, I take a little bit of satisfaction from that. I don't know about you, Lee, but you know, we, 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 were, we were quite big fans of him, aren't we, Gabriel? Yeah, I was gutted when we didn't get him in the summer, I must admit. And he, you know, I think they will, he will prove to be a very good signing for him. He's a good age. He's strong. He's quick. He's an athlete. Left-footed. Uh, centre off, um, like Mike alluded to before, you know, being, conceding goals has not really been an issue for them. Really, they're not too bad at the back. They just they've really really struggled, uh, particularly in the last sort of six to eight weeks um, in terms of scoring goals. Aubameyang completely gone off the boil. Um, you know, we'd all, you know, how many times have you and I've said, Pete, you know, the difference between this Everton team and this Arsenal team is Aubameyang. You know, I mean, he, he looked absolutely mustard last season. Um, you know, scoring goals for fun, but um, take his goals out of the team, and all of a sudden they do look like a very ordinary team. You know, I thought Thomas Partey is a very good signing for him. He went off injured the other week. Um, shocking, by the way, what happened there as well. You know, they conceded a goal by him just walking off the pitch. Imagine if there was forty thousand Evertonians there and someone like Gilfy walking off doing that. Oh my god! Um, but no, generally speaking, uh, I thought you know, I think Mikel got off to a great start. You know, he, he, he clearly made them harder to beat. Um, you know, that was always Arsenal's Achilles heel. Obviously, won a trophy, you know, won the FA Cup. Um, and then they started the season pretty strong. And then I just think, yeah, like I said before, they've, they've really, really struggled to open teams up. I think teams are starting to suss them out a little bit now. Uh, and Mourinho got it absolutely spot on, like Pete said before. That's exactly how you beat them. You know, they, they're almost like over guilty of overplaying. They're playing like one too many passes. Uh, you know, and when they should be a bit, probably sometimes a little bit more direct for me. But, um, but yeah, look, if we if we again set up that way um, with the same sort of personnel, I do I do fancy us to get a result again, uh, particularly with their fans being you know with fans being there again, albeit only two thousand, it does have an impact. 
it does have an impact, definitely. Uh, you know, I look at, for example, the game. I mean, Mike, you were there, you'll know. But you know, look at someone like Kai Havertz, for example. Looks a real talent. But I think he would have been affected a little bit by that by that sort of you know atmosphere yesterday as well. You know, he kind of went. He, he didn't go looking for the ball, and he was making a lot of mistakes. You know, and and so for me, if we if we put that sort of pressure on Arsenal, I do think we uh, you know we can we can win that game. And I'm pleased Carlo's found this way now to try and you know to try and effectively make us a lot tighter at the back and difficult to beat because he did he did for when he played four four two last season. You know, he, he really did know how to sort of grind out results, didn't he? Uh, and now with this way of playing, you know, we can sort of. Sort of switch between a four-three-three and a you know four-four-one-one or a four-two-three-one, like Pete said. However you want, however you want to structure it, you know he can play around with that now uh, and get a result depending on who we're playing. And we'll need that. We'll need that, won't we, in December? You know what I mean? Because games are coming thick and fast. We're going to need to play different ways, and we're going to need to have different personnel in those positions as well. So, for me, we could play this this formation over the next two games and get results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think it could be a, a really good week overall. Um, and like you said already, having two thousand fans in the crowd does make make it an or does have an impact. That's for sure. You know, and um, we saw that against Chelsea. Uh, I think on a different day, you know, with fans on it, maybe the game doesn't go the way that it went. You know, maybe you know uh, when our, our legs did go a little bit near the end, we, we don't get pulled through, and that's that, that's really important. And getting Home advantage back again is really helpful. It, it really, really is. As much as it's only two thousand fans, it is it is massive for us to have those two thousand fans in. Um, and it could be really pivotal for for our season over the course of Christmas, especially. You know, with with the fans being there, picking up points. Obviously, we've got the quarter final of the League Cup coming up just before Christmas as well, which is again a massive game against Man United and. And I'm sure the fans will will hopefully obviously uh, have a big impact there as well. But let's let's kick, let's have predictions for that game, Mike. Arsenal come to Goodison Park. What are we saying? Well, firstly, I think you're right, Mike. You really can't underestimate the the impact of having fans back on the ground. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for two nil, and I'm fully aware that that would be three back to back clean sheets, which is unheard of. <laughs> Maybe the euphoria of yesterday's gone to my head a little bit. But uh, I really was that impressed with the, with the with the back four that I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna go two nil, two nil to the Blues. Please. Yeah, I, I think and I hope we're playing Arsenal at exactly the right time. So uh, I'm going to go 2-0 as well. Late. Clean sweet, mate. 2-0. I reckon 2-0 as well. I do think, you know, they're playing Burnley now, aren't they? It's 0-0 after 60 minutes there. Um, Burnley will be playing exactly the same way Spurs played against them the other day. So um, hopefully that'll stay the same. So they come into that game, uh, you know, um, Lacking confidence, so I, I do think I do think we can beat him two 0 I'm I'm going to finish off with a one nil. Oh come on, Mike! Because I've had a clean sweep. Oh, yeah, oh, come on! I've got to be different. I can't I can't I can't be uh, can't be a shepherd. Uh, no, I can't be a sheep. I'm a shepherd. That's a nice, that's a nice I can't I can't even get the buddy saying I was. Um, well, no, it's one. Of, I, I think we'll win the game. I think it, you know it'd be tougher than maybe we think. Um, that you know, on paper, they're not a bad side, Arsenal, and I'm sure at some point they will click. Uh, but I think you know this, this for well, this this formation we stumbled upon with the personnel that we've got. You know, this could really help us in in uh, in this difficult and, and busy December period. So I'm going to say one nil. I think we win the game, uh, and hopefully we do. And um, what a build up that will be to the United game in, in the League Cup as well. But just before before we do go, 
I didn't announce our, our local business sponsor at the start because, uh, you know, a bit of a message in regards to them. It is Football Graphics, and he's on Twitter, and I, we announced it yesterday. But what he's, what he's kindly done, which is which was really nice of him, is, is give anyone who puts an order in as of yesterday up until next Saturday, 25% off. And a lot of us have seen this stuff, which, you know, the, the taxi club on the Simpsons one is, is exceptional, really, really, really good. He's done his own Goodison Park prints, um, amongst other things. He's done the uh, the Sarge, Everton Sergeant Peppers one as well, which is fantastic. So if you want to get an order in, you know, before Christmas over the course of the next the next week or so, twenty five percent off if you use off the top of my head. I think it's right. Uh, UTP twenty five percent. Put it in the checkout, and that will take take that money off for you, which is a really nice touch just before Christmas from from him as well. Um, and just to finish off, the the hampers for the Everton Veterans Hub will be going out on Tuesday. They're getting dropped off up, uh, up on Spellow Lane there in, uh, in the People's Hub. So they're good to go. Mince pies, freshly baked tomorrow evening will be going in from a, a local bakery there on, on Egbert Road. They're the last, the last uh, piece of the jigsaw. So looking forward to getting them dropped off. Thank you to everyone who's given money, given donations of food. We're also in a position to drop off about two or three boxes of food to the, the food bank collection, which uh, Everton and the community are also running, which is fantastic. Um, so we, we can't thank everyone enough for the generosity of what's been a difficult time for so many people. Uh, but, Mike, thanks Mike, for coming on the show, mate. Say, by the way, sorry to interject. Mike, you've done a great job in pulling all that together as well. I'm sure Pete will echo the words there. You know, obviously, we've all been involved, but you've been a main player in doing this. And um, I think you've put together 26 amps, am I right in saying? 25 amps? Uh, yeah, tw- yeah, well, tw- 26 amps currently sitting in between the kitchen under the under our bed and in the spare room at this moment in time. The dog's having a field day trying to get all stuff out of them, so he's, he absolutely loves it. But I think, I think I've think i got to, got to use a special praise for the missus because I think out of the two of us, you know, she's got an eye for these kind of things and has, and has put a lot of time into it as well. So if I don't mention it, then she'll probably give me a bit of a uh, smack on the back of the head. Well done, lads. Well done to all three years doing that, by the way. Cheers, mate. mate. Listen, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be able to give back. We always said when we started the podcast, we need to, you know, it's about giving back to people and that, that's what it's all about. Uh, and we'll have it where we can. But it's, it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for people who, who've, you know, given so kindly over the last the last uh, month or so. So fantastic effort from, from everyone. We, we really appreciate it. Um, and Mike, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Fantastic to speak to you once again. Absolute pleasure, lads. Always enjoy coming on. Thanks very much for asking me again. Any any interviews lined up? Uh, who who have I interviewed since we last spoke? I done. It was a Stephen Naismith, Naismith and Naismith. Uh, yeah, great, great. Uh, Joe Royal as well. Joe Royal, which I still course. pinch myself about that one. To be honest with you, being on the yeah. phone to Joe Royal as you do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of things lined up. It's difficult time wise. Obviously, I work full time and stuff, but um, I've got a couple of things in the pipeline. So keep your eyes peeled. Great stuff. So, as we said already, uh, on Twitter, you'll be linked to the podcast when it gets lost anyway. So, it's at Obstructive View 9, if yep. I'm right, correct? Yep. Yeah. So, give Mike a follow. The the uh, the interviews are really, really good and they've, they've taken off, haven't they? they? You know, people have really, really got involved and really love, obviously, reading what uh, you know, a lot of ex-effort players are having to say, which is which is great. So, we look forward to what, what's coming in the future. And thanks, everyone, for listening today. Um, enjoyed everyone's company we'll be back next week to, to look back at what's going to be a busy week uh, against Leicester 
and Arsenal sub will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.